Gives it to MB. Fake the pass right. It was deflected left to Giannis. He'll back up and shoot a three, and he connects. The Greek freak with his first three. He's got 25, and Team Giannis, they're all off the, the bench. The bench is going crazy. That's how it sounded last night on ESPN Radio. This is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you, getting your new week started off right. Don't forget Westwood Patriot Boys Basketball on air this evening. 7 o'clock pregame, 7.15 tip-off right here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops joined by Charlie Bramer. Glad to have you along. How'd the weekend go, man? You get to watch the All-Star game last night? I did. I did. And, um... Just like with the Super Bowl, though, I recorded it so I can fast forward through the commercials. Oh. I don't know. I hope that doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad person. Thanks, Although man. some of the halftime shows, some of the entertainment I thought was pretty good. Jake Cole's a North Carolina guy. He's from Fayetteville, so he had the halftime show. I don't know why Meek Mill was such a hot commodity to try and get for the pregame show, though. Nothing against Meek Mill, but nobody knows him except that he got thrashed in a Twitter feud back in 2015. Otherwise, nobody knows him, but apparently that's good enough to get you to open up the All-Star game. Isn't he kind of an East Coast guy? I don't know. I think he's... Is, I don't I listen to me, isn't, no. isn't he a Philadelphia guy? I thought he was a Philadelphia guy, so Could I mean, be. it's East Coast. Had a couple of Philly guys in the game last night. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's the deal with that. He's like an East Coast guy. And your prop bet of the night is that Ben Simmons didn't hit a three-pointer. And Giannis went two for six. Giannis Magic. was fantastic last night, was he not? Oh, man. And so was Chris Middleton. I mean, Middleton came in right away and, what, he hit three pointers in a row in his first minute in the game. And and I was happy to see that because mm-hmm. it was a, a vindication for Middleton. He's been snubbed for a few years now. Every, I mean, a lot of people have felt that if he was in any other market, and, and that's what really kills these small market teams, you know. If he was in any other market, he'd have made it. Well, he made it, and he proved that he belongs. So, good for him. Giannis led the way with 38 points, a game high. He had 11 rebounds, so a double-double in the All-Star game. Plus, you have Middleton doing his thing, finishing with 20. And, of course, Coach Bud. You get Coach Bud to get on the stage as well. So, pretty good contingent for Milwaukee down there in Charlotte. The best it's been in my lifetime, that's for sure, by far. Well, this is probably the best the Bucks have been in your lifetime, huh? I think this is the Bucks, the best the Bucks have ever been. Statistically speaking, that's about. I mean, that's a hard fact to argue mm-hmm. against. It's easy to argue for. Well, Blake Griffin in the All Star game as well. He had ten points to represent the Pistons fans. Team LeBron comes back from a thirteen point halftime deficit, and they win one seventy eight to one sixty four at halftime. I was saying I take back everything I said about Giannis's ability to draft, or the fact that he may never be a GM because they were putting it to Team LeBron early on, but. There's just too much talent on that squad, and they end up getting the 14-point victory. Game went about it the way that we thought it would be. Not a whole lot of defense, why Rudy Gobert wasn't picked for that game, but there was plenty of offense if you're happy with that. Yeah, and do you think the fact that Rudy Gobert is like a defensive powerhouse, I th- that might keep him out of that game. Absolutely. That's he did this year. Yeah, that's how he's going to show up on guys mm-hmm. is blocking shots and stuff. They don't want that in the All-Star game. No, no so, they want to put on a show for the fans. That's what it's all about yeah. is getting out there and showing off. And yeah. No one wants to see Rudy Gobert stifle somebody, the stifle tower. Well, maybe me and you do. Well, yeah. The hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. But this is a show, so I guess... Not so much. No Stifle Tower. I was hoping they would hit 200, or at least somebody would hit 200. 
Well, there was enough fifty-point quarters at mm-hmm. in the first couple in the first half. You know, between the two teams, there was a few fifty-point quarters. You thought it might happen, but they couldn't quite get there. If Steph Curry doesn't go four for seventeen from three, mm. it's going to give Team Giannis a lot better chance. Tough night for him in his hometown, huh? He comes back and shoots that poorly from behind the arc, or at least poorly by his standards. Yeah, and you mentioned the Ben Simmons thing. You know, he didn't hit a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. Um, but who would have guessed, you know, like a betting man, you guess who's going to shoot a better percentage from three, Giannis or Curry? And or then Chris Giannis. Middleton. Or, or Chris Middleton. Better than Curry. I guess I would. I mean, Chris Middleton is at least a three-point shooter. Yeah, but and, not more than Curry. I mean, if you look at the percentages, oh, it's stop. a lot closer than you might stop. think. It's a lot closer. But, no, I mean, obviously Middleton, if you look at the statistics as far as depth, of three-pointers, you know, Brooke mm-hmm. Lopez and Steph Curry, these guys are shooting kind of a different level of three-pointer than Chris Middleton, like literally four to six feet further out. But I just think it's hilarious that Giannis was two for six, you know, 33%, and uh, Curry was about 30%. So I just that's really strange. I think it was a better weekend for Seth Curry rather than Steph Curry because – Seth got engaged on Thursday. He proposed to his girlfriend on Valentine's Day. She accepted. Is that a hit or a miss? Do you propose on a holiday or not? Because I've always kind of been in the thought process that you don't. I get maybe that they had the entire family together in Charlotte for the All-Star game because it's their hometown that maybe while everyone's together, that might be the only way it's permissible. But I tend to say don't try to mix those things. Don't propose on valentine's day because it's cliche don't do it on christmas because you're celebrating something else or you don't sell, don't do it on thanksgiving or whatever just don't pick a holiday you're, you're trying to be, see you're trying to be an original guy yeah. i like that you gotta go you gotta love that but just for the whole publicity that word always gives me so much trouble man publicity mm-hmm. um just for that I mean, being in Charlotte, you talked about all these things. I love that. That was a bit of a retro court going on there, too. Mm. I love that. Um, but he must have known that it was a lock. It was a lock. Well, I had to. That, that mm. his girlfriend was going to say yes. So in a case like that, eh, then, then you can go for it on Valentine's Day, I suppose, huh? Kevin Durant wins the MVP last night, 31 points, 7 rebounds. He did so on 10 of 15 shooting, 6 of 9 from behind the arc. Two blocks to go with it. Pretty good night for Durant, but there's still a case to be made, especially in the first half, that Giannis should have been the MVP. I don't need to ask who you think should have got it, because everyone and their mother knows by now, but pretty good showing for Giannis. It's hard to make the case against him, we should say that. Yeah, and, and I mean, if Team Giannis would have won, then he'd have been the MVP. It's Probably would have. simple, yeah. I mean, when was the last time the MVP went to a player on the team that lost? I think that's been a little while. It's been a while so since anything like that happened. And and Kevin Durant, was. I think he was pretty efficient last night. Mm-hmm. So his 31 points, yeah, Giannis had 38. I'm not sure how many rebounds Giannis had offhand. But Durant definitely earned it. His team won. I like the old format for the NBA All-Star Game with East versus West. I didn't care if it was unbalanced, let the East go out there and get their butt kicked. But now I'm starting to like this captainship thing a little bit better. I thought it was kind of schoolyard for a little bit, but now I'm starting to warm up to the idea a little bit more, and I'm starting to like the NBA All-Star Game better than I did. I just want to speculate here just for a little bit. 
It will never, ever happen. But what if the NFL followed the model of the three other major pro leagues and did their all-star Pro Bowl showcase in the middle of the season? If they did it between weeks 8, 9, 10, something like that, and they had the Pro Bowl in the middle of the season, how much would that change the dynamic of the NFL midseason, just like baseball, hockey, and basketball? And, and really, I think that has been mentioned on this show in the past. I think it was you and I mentioning, talking about that a little bit on the past. And there was some other things that the NFL is trying to do that really fit with that. They're trying to add two, maybe four games to the regular season, add two games um, to the regular season, take two away from the preseason, and then maybe even add another two regular season games. Uh, They might be getting a little crazy with that. But if you extend the season and everybody gets a bye the same week, I really like that idea. Mm -hmm. And then in towards the middle of the season, maybe... You know, in kind of like the NBA All-Star Game. They're already in game 50-something. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of two-thirds through the season. The thing with the NFL, it's really hard. A guy can go on a second-half surge, a quarterback, and propel himself to MVP when maybe in the first half of the season he wouldn't have even been a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the only thing that really it, it, it kind of stifles the idea a little bit just because the statistics, there's so fewer games you don't want to pick your Pro Bowlers off of just eight games, but maybe they could do the Pro Bowl then and then the All-Pro vote at the end of the year because they already do, you know, there's so many guys now. There's guys that make it to the Pro Bowl, then they got the All-Pro, and, and there's so many guys that are in, in it's interchanging. and there's a, So maybe now they can kind of separate the two a little bit and, okay, this guy made the Pro Bowl. He had a great first half, but this guy was a all pro at the end of the year mm-hmm. i don't know i just really like the idea of having the the pro bowl midway through the season obviously it would make for much better ratings um as soon as one guy got hurt in that game which yeah. would happen somebody would roll an ankle something would happen I mean, if you're bill check would you let tom brady play in it if it's mid-season i mean I don't yeah, know that exactly. I, you can't tell it's, me there's going to be some coaches who are going to keep their players out of that. Well, just as a fan base, mm-hmm. you really would you really want Aaron Rodgers or right. or Russell Wilson or any of these guys playing in 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 a game mid season that that's essentially meaningless. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not meaningless to the NFL. They're trying to make money, but I really like the idea. It's just so unfortunate. I don't think it would ever happen um, if they extended the season. And gave everybody a buy in the same week. There are reasons that it could work, but there's just too many overwhelming reasons that I don't think it'll ever happen. What if they did this? This is really crazy. What if there was incentive to win the Pro Bowl and that whatever conference, whether it was the AFC or the NFC, did it, would get a small advantage when they did play in the Super Bowl? It's not home field advantage or whatever. They play at a neutral site. But what if it's something as small as you automatically win every coin toss in that game. Think how much different overtime could look if they did that in the Super Bowl where you don't you have no idea if you're gonna be playing for anything. If this Super Bowl or this Pro Bowl, excuse me, is gonna be meaningless or not when the Super Bowl rolls around. This is all crazy, but that's why it's fun, is because we have the platform to talk about stuff like this, even though it's never gonna happen. And like you talked about with the roster makeup, I like the idea of keeping the Pro Bowl and NFL all pro separate. 
those are that's how it's supposed to be. You keep the Pro Bowl and all pros separate. But you think about Andrew Luck, and would he have made the Pro Bowl this year after just eight games in a sample? The Colts no. started one and six, and he's the perfect example of a guy getting hot in the second half of the year. Yeah, and and that's exactly the problem as to why why it wouldn't really work. But I think you could kind of make up for it with the all-pro voting and then the all-pro status. Guys like David Bakhtiari, who didn't make the Pro Bowl this year but are all-pro players and are voted all-pro players basically every year, even though he's only made one Pro Bowl, that all-pro status will have a little bit more of a meaning with it because uh, now it's kind of, I think the Pro Bowl status means a little bit more than the All-Pro mm-hmm. voting. Um, I think some people don't even really understand the difference, to be honest. They, they haven't been explained that there's a separate voting. But I, I kind of do like your idea of of winning the coin toss, but instead of winning all coin tosses, they just win. They They have the coin toss advantage if it goes to overtime. Mm-hmm. And and then that that, but and and it's so funny because when when baseball went to the home field advantage World Series, uh, National League American League, everybody was so pumped as far as fans, and it was a total flop. How many, it only lasted a couple years, right? Mm-hmm. The whole the whole All Star Game, um, home field advantage from the All Star Game winner. Um, and and that was so surprising to me because it seemed like everybody was on board with it, and then, of course, it it came to happen that, I, and I can't remember what year it was, but one team had a way better record and then had did not get home field advantage, and it was really it was really a shame, and and I think it was the players that honestly didn't like it very much, mm-hmm. but but it did. It did mean something for the fans, and and I kind of thought that that was interesting how it flopped, but it seemed to be so well received. Charlie Bramer is in the studio with us. We owe you our first time out. We'll take it now. When we come back, Adam Silver doesn't like trade drama becoming public, but isn't that the best thing for his league right now? Next in the sports pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Thanks for hanging out with us on your Monday afternoon. Well, Adam Silver over the weekend came out and said in a state-of-the-game press conference that he doesn't like NBA trade drama and trade rumors becoming public. He doesn't like players publicly requesting trades. But honestly, isn't that what's keeping the NBA alive right now? What's making fans think that this is the best league? Those who do think it's the best league, isn't that the reason why? Because the NFL had Super Bowl week a couple of weeks ago, and it was overshadowed by Anthony Davis trade rumors. The NBA dominated the headlines that week. Adam Silver says he doesn't want that, but you think about what's keeping the NBA afloat, what's keeping people engaged and interested. We all know who's going to win the finals this year, probably. We know that the Golden State Warriors are likely going to win the finals, and yet everyone's talking about the NBA during Super Bowl week because Anthony Davis publicly requested that the New Orleans Pelicans trade him. And then he went further with it, and he said that he wanted to be paired up with LeBron James and be a Los Angeles Laker. Adam Silver says he doesn't want this, and in some ways I kind of get why, 
But isn't that the best thing for your league right now? Otherwise, where's the drama in the NBA? We know who's probably going to win the title again. It's been the Warriors League since, what, 2014, 2015? And yet people are still talking about the NBA over the NFL on Super Bowl week because of stuff like this. Adam Silver comes out and says he wants this to go away, that he would rather all this drama happen behind closed doors. I think you got to make up your mind here, Mr. Commissioner. Do you want your league to be popular or do you want things to happen businesslike and professionally? And and there is something I want to kind of get to, like kind of a question I have for you yeah. after after we finish with this. Um, don't let me forget, it, it kind of has to do with, uh, are the Warriors really a lock to win the title? And kind of, but there's another argument there. But the NBA is a player's league, right? Like, you you hear it everywhere, that the players run the league, and that's a wonderful thing. Like, it should be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, employees anywhere should should have that kind of... I mean, if they're making their, their companies that much money, um, they should have all kinds of good, good reasons to run the show, basically. They're doing a great job. But... Adam Silver, obviously as a commissioner, he's going to want to downplay that, and he's going to want to make it seem like there are things going on behind closed doors, and there are things that we don't know about, and there are, there is rather more control that the commissioner and owners and general managers have. Obviously, that's not the case, but he's going to want to smoke screen or however you want to put it and make it seem like oh you know there is some um, there is more continuity to things it's not just players demanding trades it's not just the players don't just run the show the commissioner and owners have more power but they don't but he's going to try and make it seem like they do and maybe maybe this is just hit a ploy you know he's saying this because he thinks he's supposed to say it but he he's almost has to believe that this is good for his league. Mm-hmm. I mean, how could he not? You know, it, it's it's driving ratings. It's it's making the NBA the most talked about thing in sports right now. And spring training is starting. Major League Baseball has never been weaker this time of year in comparison to the NBA. Yeah. NBA is getting all of the talk. Because there's no drama. There's no drama in MLB. The NBA, by having the players basically run the show makes for all the drama and and what has it been proven for the last 20 years reality tv is like all mm-hmm. people want to watch reality tv and sports so i think i think adam silver is kind of blowing smoke here he's saying what he thinks he needs to say to sound commissioner like but he's lo- he's got to love it he has to i mean this is what's keeping the nba afloat in some ways i can get where he might be genuine in the sense that he doesn't want the nba to turn into WWE or something like that. I'm not saying it's scripted and it's rigged or anything like that, but in the sense that it's becoming more about a reality drama rather than it is about an athletic event. You just gave me an amazing idea. I don't know why. How about the XFL? Just mm-hmm. becomes like, stop the game in the middle, hand some, hand some guys a microphone, and... <laughs> Anyways, if Vince McMahon was doing it again, right. then it would probably be like I don't know about Oliver Luck. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't I know. know about it. He's his son is pretty vanilla, and if he's anything right. like him, I don't know. But bring Jesse Ventura back mm-hmm. um, to call some games with McMahon, and uh, there'll ju- there'll just be breaks in the middle of the action, so guys can have a fake feud on the field mm-hmm. and just all the drama. Anyways, really, it. I think. I think Adam Silver, he's such a good commissioner, and, and that's so good to see um, sports right now. Baseball has good commissioner. It's just, you know, Goodell is like, uh, the. I mean, all these other commissioners get cheered, and, and everybody loves them. So it, it's almost like the NBA, uh, Adam Silver is, is, is trying to act a little more Roger Goodell-esque and being like, oh, we have more control. But... He doesn't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. He's gotta. He's gotta be cool with the players. Um, it being a players' league. I mean, that's where they've taken the NBA. That's where they've proven to be successful. And why would they want to get away from that? Yeah, I mean, you can't tell me LeBron wasn't out there recruiting last night, or that he took all those All Stars out for a drink, and they were partying until the wee hours of the morning at the Hard Rock or someplace down there in Charlotte. And LeBron is trying to build a super team down there in Los Angeles. And you talk about all the tampering cases, all the colluding, what have you, that's been going on. If they really wanted to, they could go after LeBron, I'm sure, for a few violations last night. But there's no way that's going to happen because as good of a commissioner as Adam Silver is, it's LeBron's league. LeBron could just as well be the commissioner because you hit the nail on the head. It's a player's league, and LeBron is the king of NBA players. He is the king in the face of that league, and what he wants, he's going to get, except maybe for Anthony Davis. And that's another example of how the player means more than the organization, than the ownership, than the front office, what have you. Dell Demps, the former general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans, was just fired even though he went along with Gail Benson and the New Orleans ownership's wishes. He did exactly what they wanted him to do, not trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers in exchange for Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and a few of the lower-end guys that the Lakers have because the Celtics are still out there. If he waits a few months, dangling a guy like Jason Tatum, doesn't matter if Anthony Davis doesn't want to go to Boston. He says now they're on his list, but who knows how true that is. Doesn't matter what he wants. You're getting the best possible return on your investment if you're New Orleans. Dell Demps did everything right in the eyes of his management and his front office, and he was still fired. It's all about what the players want. It is all about what the players want, and I mean, I think that's a great thing. And and it, if if the NBA was just barely getting by right now, then obviously I might have a different opinion of it, but it's working. So why why even mess with it? You saw Jason Tatum win the skills competition on Saturday night. As a Celtics fan, I love Jason Tatum. And I got myself in this line of thinking that if there was ever a trade to be made for Boston, the one player you hang on to no matter what is Jason Tatum. I wondered maybe if they're better without Kyrie Irving, maybe you're willing to put Kyrie out on the trade block before Tatum, and then after him, Jason Brown, and then after him, Marcus Smart. And I wondered if that would be the case for Boston. But now I'm starting to fall more in love with the idea of Anthony Davis teaming up with Kyrie Irving, both in Celtics uniforms next year, as long as Anthony Davis is willing to re-sign. And I don't question Danny Ainge anymore. I trust him to make the right moves to put the Celtics in place to win. And if Tatum is going to be the piece to do that, 
I might be okay with that. I'm starting to become more open to the idea of letting go of Jason Tatum if it means getting an all-generation talent like Anthony Davis and, that's the big one, and he's going to resign and he's going to stay and not just be a year-long rental. And and the only thing that, if I was a Celtics fan, worries me about that is the talk about does Kyrie want to be there long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, I always... All these players and their contracts, I always get it all confused. He's got one more year on his deal, correct? He can leave this summer if he he wants. He can leave this summer. He can opt out this summer if he wants. There's been a lot more talk, and and you hear, uh, like, uh, you hear Morse and just different guys on the Celtics team talking about how this isn't fun. It hasn't been fun for a while. We're better than this. and, and, And there just seems to be. Just not the continuity there, and and I kind of wonder. Obviously, if Kyrie left, where would he want to leave for? Mm-hmm. He's proven that he wants to be the superstar on the team, and and if there's going to be another superstar, they're going to have to join his team. He's not going to be joining their team, so to speak. But that's the only thing that really worries me from that aspect, and in in that regard. I probably would feel more comfortable trading Kyrie than Tatum, but more than likely Kyrie will sign a long-term deal and be with the Celtics. And then, and then, yeah, you f- you feel more comfortable because you kind of forget how young Kyrie Irving still is, mm-hmm. and 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 obviously Anthony Davis is so young as well. So if you could have those two guys, losing Jason Tatum really would not be it wouldn't be that big of a deal at all. I hope you're right in the sense that Kyrie wants to stay, he re-signs, and he wants to be a leader for a team. That last part I'm not convinced, though. I don't know that he wants to be a leader of a franchise. I feel like that call to LeBron that he made to apologize, what have you, is something like, I got into the situation thinking I wanted to be a leader. Now I'm not so sure if this is what I actually want. And he wanted to patch things up with LeBron. And maybe he's one of those guys like Paul George or Kyle Lowry who's content to be a role player, a guy who's going to be one of the best role players in the league and doesn't mind taking on that second role, what have you. Maybe he feels like he's in over his head in Boston and he's not the captain-type player that he thought he wanted to be. I hope I'm wrong in that sense, but I feel like there's more than they're letting on to that phone conversation he had with LeBron last month. And and maybe if he would have gone to a team like the Timberwolves or even the Pistons, obviously Blake Griffin ended up there. If he's in Orlando with the Magic, maybe he feels a little more comfortable being their franchise star. But as far as the Eastern Conference goes, if you're in Boston and if you're their franchise star, every little thing you do is going to be under a microscope. And the fans just aren't as warm and fuzzy and loving as they might be in a smaller market. And and they expect more out of you. And when you do good things, it's more expected and not as much appreciated. Um, so maybe if he was in a smaller market team, like we said, Minnesota and these teams, maybe then he'd feel more comfortable with it. Um, he definitely seems to get drained and, and to get just just worn down with with all the baggage and everything that goes along with his status in Boston but I got to say he does a good job on the court with it 
I mean, he can close out a game, and he does a good job. I think he holds up his end of the bargain, and I think he needs to get more credit for that. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us, hitting the bottom of the hour. We'll take our next time out when we come back. MLB Spring Training. Getting into full swing. A few of the changes that Rob Manfred is implementing, maybe to try and get baseball back to its relevancy. Next in Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Here is your Sports Center update. J.B. Holmes held off Justin Thomas to win the Genesis Open on Sunday. Tiger Woods, pretty brutal finish to it. He finishes tied for 15th. Denny Hamlin won the Daytona 500 yesterday. Gibbs Racing teammates Kyle Busch and Eric Jones finished second and third respectively. It's just the second time that one racing team has swept the top three spots at Daytona. And the Professional Golfers Association announced that golfers will now be allowed to wear shorts but only during practice rounds and pro-am events. How about that? You can golf in shorts now at the pro level. Um, is it, is it weird that I didn't know you weren't allowed to? No. Not if you don't follow golf. Because, I mean, what's, what's the deal? Like, the girls wear shorts, and they wear skirts, and all mm. kinds of, you know, I don't know. Must it's be just, a traditional thing. I'm not a golfer. No, me neither. I don't neither follow really. golf. And it's just because I'm terrible. Mm. And I always get distracted Golf carts are more fun to me than golf. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, why not? You can wear compression leggings underneath your shorts, okay. but they all have to be one color. When I read that, my thought, well, I had two thoughts. One was, what golfer is going to wear shorts with compression leggings underneath? And another is, how many compression leggings have multiple patterns on them that don't come in solid colors? Right, yeah, I haven't seen it. So that's how golf is changing. So golf, you can now wear shorts in practice rounds and in pro and events. Wow, how innovative for golf. It's Just, a big step forward for them. It's a pretty traditional sport. Because, and that's what I mean. I'm being like kind of sarcastic here. But at the same time, there is a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Like golf does not change. No. And baseball has changed a lot as far as the unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. Stuff like bat flipping, and I mean, in golf, what Phil Mickelson did last year, using the rules to his advantage, mm-hmm. you do not do that. No. Like that is not classy. It is a gentleman's game, and if you're bending the rules to your, and it's not even bending the rules, if you use the rules to your favor, that is not seen as gentlemanly, and 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 just stuff like that. They just don't change it. So, well, golf. A little bit of a step forward. Baseball taking a few steps forward in some people's eyes. Maybe some don't like it. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, has announced that the MLB will be using a 20-second pitch clock for spring training. I know that they've been using pitch clocks in minor league baseball, and they've been trying to see how this would work. I tell you what, I'm not a baseball purist. I'm not a baseball traditionalist, but there are some things you just don't change about baseball. I'm not in love with this by any stretch. What about you? You know, I like it because I feel I definitely want baseball to do something to try and save itself. Mm -hmm. Um, The average viewer of a baseball game is like 55 years old now, and that's just not sustainable, obviously. 
but at the same time it there is legitimate like guys throwing off hitters timing there's legitimate reasons to pause and take extra time and at other times fast pitch and at other times walk around get a little rosin on your hands i mean so there is reasons to kind of this might affect the game more than some people would think at least from a mental aspect of the players but i have to say overall i guess my scales are tipping towards yeah they got to do something i get that they got to do something or what have you and i know rob manfred is trying his darndest to get a younger generation more interested in the game because baseball's trending downwards right now especially with stuff like soccer and mixed martial arts on the uptrend baseball is probably third out of the four major sports in America right now. But it's getting farther away from the tier that football and basketball are on, and it's getting down to the tier that hockey is on right now. Like, you have baseball fans that are either going to be pretty diehard. they got to love baseball, like you or me. There's not really a casual baseball fan, to be honest with you. Either you got to love baseball enough to watch it, or you think it's boring and nauseating and you're not going to watch it. So I get in that sense that Rob Manfred is trying to do stuff to get the younger generation back, to get people interested in what have you. I don't know that speeding the game up like this is going to do it. I know you got to do something, but I don't think speeding the way the game has been played for a few hundred years or so is going to bring a younger generation back. Like For me, how I, I plan on setting aside three hours to watch a baseball game. I plan on going to a ballpark and spending three hours there because you know that's how long it takes to play nine innings. And now they're shaving about 30 minutes off of it at a time. For me, I hate that because of the experience. I love spending the day at the ballpark. I don't want to be wasted out of 30 minutes because you know some younger generation doesn't appreciate it right and i totally totally agree with that i could not agree with that more but if this is what it's going to take to save the game so to speak but really using terms like save the game and and they're losing i mean their revenue they just went over 10 billion dollars of revenue last year mm -hmm. they're making more money than ever so really in how dire of straits are they? Postseason baseball. People love postseason baseball. Mm -hmm. I'm really surprised when I talk to people how many of them say, I don't watch baseball all year long. I love postseason baseball. Mm -hmm. I was just watching like, like guys like Joey Diaz and Joe Rogan on their podcast, and, and they've mentioned that. They don't watch baseball all year. They love postseason baseball. Mm -hmm. And as long as postseason baseball is good, which I think it's been better now in the last 10 years than it's been in a while. Absolutely. As long as that's good, the sport will be doing. I think they'll be in pretty good shape. Baseball is a traditionalist game in a lot of ways. And there are some things that I like about traditional baseball that I don't want to get changed. And there are some other things that certainly can be changed, like instant replay and expanded replay in baseball. I'm totally in favor of that. I think as long as we've got the technology to do it and get as many calls right as we can, why not? Why wouldn't we do something like that? So I know there's a lot of baseball purists out there, the Jerry Seinfelds of the world, that hate the thought of replay coming into baseball and that we should still play the game the same way we did back in 1920. But 
you have some things that can positively affect the game, and I think replay can do that. I know why they want to get a pitch clock in there because they want the younger generation to fall in love with it again, but I think it's going to take a lot more than a pitch clock to do it. I really don't think that allowing pitchers 20 minutes or 20 seconds, excuse me, between pitches is going to win a majority or at least a significant population of the younger generation back. I think they just need to go a lot further with it, and we're seeing offense perk up in ways that we haven't in likely ever with Major League Baseball, that's what's going to get younger generations to tune into baseball and become baseball fans. Is whatever the sport is, people want to see offense more than anything. And and that's when stuff like banning the shift comes into play. Mm-hmm. There's like we said not that long ago, every single left-handed hitter not named Christian Yelich had a severe drop in batting average last year, but their OPSs remained fairly decent these guys were still able to draw walks and get on base and hit for their power Mm -hmm. but to hit a single as a left-handed hitter because so many lefties are pole hitters um off of right-handed pitching for i mean it's just hundreds of hits were taken away throughout baseball last year if not thousands yeah um you look at guys like bryce harper and how far their batting average dropped and I don't know. I mean, I really love the shift, and I'm a huge fan of it because the Brewers are a top team in the shift. They're they're at the cutting edge of the shifts. So when it helps your team, you're in favor of it. But if it's not helping the league, so I'm really on the fence with it. And um, whatever the smarter men than me decide, I'm, I'm going to be cool with because... I really, I really trust that they're going to know what to do going forward and what's best for the game. And uh, I like the shift, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just another one of those things. Is it going to make the difference? It could in a lot of ways, but I don't want it to. If there's a reason why we get the younger generation back to being baseball fans, it's not because I want to cut the shift, because it's part of the strategy of baseball, and it's such a strategy game. I know a lot of leagues are trying to do their best to help the offense, not necessarily eliminate defense, but we just saw it with Rudy Gobert not being allowed into the All-Star game because he's a defensive specialist, maybe the best defensive player in basketball. The NBA wants offense. The NFL wants offense. Same with baseball. If they really want to get the younger generation back, they got to find a way to generate offense proficiently. I just don't want to see them eliminate the shift or eliminate defense, especially defensive strategy, in order to achieve that. And there's been talks of, to speed it up, there's been talks of, um, in extra innings, um, starting out at a 1-1 count. Yeah, the international um, rules. Yeah, and, and there's been talks of... Uh, even crazier stuff like putting a runner on second to start it putting a runner on second um stuff like uh uh only three balls to walk yeah all this kind of stuff that really that kind of rule change would really really irk me and it would be hard it would be really hard to accept something like that for a real baseball fan such as me I'm, and I'm assuming you too that Absolutely. would be hard to Hard pill to swallow. I don't like all the change. I know why they're doing it. But at some 
point. We just got to say this is enough. Like, we do have a great game. I know there's a lot of people who don't appreciate like we do, but those of us who do appreciate baseball really, really appreciate it. There's not a lot of lukewarm baseball fans. You're pretty much a diehard or you're not going to watch. You're not a casual fan. That's why... I want to see baseball stay like it is for those of us who do appreciate it as it is. And and with 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 football trending, just young players not playing, simply not playing as much. Maybe that's going to be something we see baseball benefit from in in the next few years. I mean, it couldn't hurt it. Charlie Bramer is in the studio with us. We'll take our last time out when we come back. College hoops was Tennessee exposed as a pretender this weekend. Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Almost down to the 5 o'clock hour. Almost time to end your work day. Don't forget Westwood Patriot Boys basketball this evening. 7.15 tip. We'll hit the pregame right around 7. Tournament starts a week from tonight. We'll be in Manistique. And as always, check out our broadcast schedule on our website. Link to our social media. See where we'll be covering the Patriots. Well, looking ahead to football a little bit. It is technically football season. You've got the AAF, which has been going on, and the CFL be starting soon. But already looking ahead to the NFL, I really think the NFC West could be the most entertaining division of all of them next year. Now, we still have a lot that can change with the draft coming up in April, but I'll say this. As of right now, I think that the Seattle Seahawks will be the NFC West champions coming up this year. I think the Seahawks are going to win the division. Again, I'm not ready to make a permanent call on that because a lot can change with free agency and with the draft. But as it stands right now, wouldn't be surprised at all to see Seattle take that division from L.A. The Rams will be a playoff team, but I see them getting in as a wild card, to be quite honest with you. I think they're going to have a lot of holes that they're not going to be able to fill due to free agency and expiring contracts. I think that San Francisco is going to surprise a lot of people this year. If Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, you've got a lot of offensive weapons for Kyle Shanahan. Such a smart offensive guy to work with. That Jimmy Garoppolo, Jarek McKinnon, Kyle Juszczyk, along with George Kittle as the tight end, and then maybe you bring in Antonio Brown, touch up that defense a little bit, and San Francisco could be a really scary team. And then Arizona. I don't know that they're going to be the doormat next year. I know Nick Bose is probably the best player in the draft, but I really, really want them to go out and get Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. I want Kyler Murray to be Cliff Kingsbury's quarterback because could you imagine the damage that they could do together? Getting one defensive player probably isn't going to change your team all that much. Getting one of the most versatile quarterbacks, pair him up with one of the smartest offensive guys as your head coach, that could be a really fun team. You add Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson to that mix, and Arizona could be a ton of fun. They may not just be the doormat of the NFC West anymore. I'm so excited for this year's NFC West to see how it plays out. There's so much. There's just so much hanging on with just that whole, this whole topic in general, Jimmy Garoppolo's leg. There are guys that come back from that so surprisingly quickly, and there are other guys, Carson Wentz, that, that struggle. Mm-hmm. And and 
how how is he progressing that's that's really yet to be seen for us um so much so much hangs in the balance on that it just seems like every year with the quarterbacks that are in the nfc north and and then you throw in like the vikings defense now all of a sudden the bears are a bit of a juggernaut i'm always thinking wow the NFC North, they're going to have three playoff teams this That's year. That's what I thought last right? year. Yeah, I, I, for several years in a row, I've thought they're going to have three playoff teams. And, you know, look how that's been turning out. So, I mean, I want to make that prediction again this year. But I've just been, you know, keep doing the same thing over and over again. I'm freaking insane, right? But um, I, I guess, you know, as far as a division that was really – you know, not that long ago. Well, maybe it was longer than it than it seems. But a uh, a seven and nine team making the playoffs, mm-hmm. and now it's come back around to where they could be the best division in all football. Because Seattle really ran that division for a long time. San Francisco hasn't been too good since Colin Kaepernick took him to the Super Bowl back in 2013. They had Jim Tom Sula as a head coach for one year. Arizona, it's been a long time since they were doing pretty good. I mean, they had one good year a couple of years ago under Bruce Arians where they made the playoffs, but they got bounced probably earlier than they should have that year. And then the Rams two years ago, Jeff Fisher was the head coach, and we all know how that turned out. The NFC West used to run through Seattle, and I do expect them to win that division again this year. Although it might be the most entertaining division in football, I don't think they're going to send three teams to the playoffs. I still think it's going to be Seattle and L.A. San Fran and Arizona might be pretty competitive. I think they'll both take steps forward this year. But they're not ready to be playoff teams, in my opinion. And I just, I really have to agree with you. It is so hard for one division to send three teams to the playoffs because they're just beating up on each other. Mm-hmm. You get these great teams beating up on each other, and it... uh an extra loss here or there, you know, you're out. So that that's really that's really just so difficult for a division to do. Even though with quarterbacks like Stafford, Rogers, and and stuff in the NFC North, they haven't been able to do it. So mm-hmm. um, it, if a division was going to do it this year, the NFC West has as good a chance as any division. Um, it's just it's 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 interesting how Seattle has transformed themselves as a team. So reliant, their offense was strictly Russell Wilson, and then you know it was their defense, and then Russell Wilson, and now they're such a running team. You really like to see a team transform like that, um, and that's that's a testament to even if you're not a fan of Coach Carroll, um, to be able to transform your team's identity like that, and and remain competitive, that that is not easy to do. A Legion of Boom is pretty much decimated, but Packers are emerging as a favorite to try and land Earl Thomas. How about that? Um, it's just another thing that, since Gutekunst has come in, you hear these reports, you used to hear these reports, and you're like, no way. You know, when they signed Julius Peppers and Charles Woodson a mm-hmm. long time ago, that was a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. And and now bringing in these veterans guy, veteran guys... It it really is. There there there's probably actually a lot of truth to that and and now you actually pay a little bit more attention to these rumors because with the new uh regime in place, they're they're willing to do stuff like this and they're willing to make more more risky calls. Um 
and, and risky moves, and, and you really like that. You know, it just it makes it a lot more exciting. Looking at college basketball, Kentucky picked up a dominant win over Tennessee, the previously top-ranked team in the country who had won 19 straight games. I said that early on is that I didn't think Tennessee was for real, mm. and I think they kind of got exposed as pretenders over the weekend. They'll still be one of the top teams in the country, but did anyone really think Tennessee was going to contend for a national title? I don't know that anyone could tell you one player on that team, the average basketball fan, let alone that they're coached by Rick Barnes, who's had some pretty good teams at Texas. He brought that program really from the ashes. But as good as some of Rick Barnes' teams have been in the past, what have they accomplished when it comes to March? I don't see things changing just because he goes from burnt orange to bright orange over at Tennessee. And Duke is back as being the number one team in the country. I still don't know that they're going to win the national championship this year, to be honest with you. At some point, having seniors on your team and having veteran leadership is going to pay off down the stretch. And Duke is one of those schools that has struggled some seasons when it comes to the tournament. They exit a little too early, and maybe that's because they don't have that senior veteran leadership. You know, losing to Lehigh in the opening round of the tournament, what was that, about 10 years ago? Examples like that. And they've had some great March runs. That's not to say Coach K chokes when it comes to the month of March, but they've had some pretty bad early exits to go along with that as well. And it's so underrated how important veteran leadership and having seniors in college basketball is. Duke is a team where if you're a captain, if you're a senior, it almost means you're not going on to the NBA. It almost mean, means uh, enjoy your career over in Europe because if you were going to the NBA and playing at Duke, you wouldn't be here for three to four years, something like that. I, I don't know what it is about Kentucky, but they're starting to peak at the right time. I'm not saying Kentucky's a lot different than Duke. They're in the same boat a lot of the years. You think about the year they sent seven to the NBA draft in one year. I mean, two guys who weren't even starting end up going to the draft. Kentucky's that way in a, in a lot of situations. But I feel more confident Kentucky winning a national title this year than I do in Duke. Um, that that could be a very... that I mean, there is a lot of truth to that. I mean, that's a f- very fair, safe statement. Um but I just think there's so many teams that nobody's really talking about, like like the Marquettes, mm-hmm. and 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 there's just so many good teams, and even teams like Minnesota, mm. where they're not getting much respect, but they have some really good players and play good defense that that can go a long way, and like you said, some really good players that have the experience, and man, I think that's going to go a long way in this year's. Um, tournament and there's going to be some upsets there's going to be some some shakeups going on and it's i think it's 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 going to be a great tournament and i really like the fact that it's kind of just a juggling act at the top like teams are going up and falling down and and we don't really know we don't really know we can't say for sure you know who is for the longest time i thought michigan was the best team yeah and and now there's been um chinks in their armor so i just it's just going to shape up to be a great tournament, I think. And unfortunately, there's probably going to be some teams that had potential to make some noise that probably won't even make the tournament because mm-hmm. that's how deep the field potentially is. No one's talking about Virginia to contend for the oh, national yes. championship. And that was something that I actually wanted to uh, mention because 
when you you say you know leadership veteran leadership and experience and after what happened to them last year mm-hmm. and their coaching you have to imagine that they're going to be ready to go they always seem to have such good veteran teams and can never put it together in the tournament and i like tony bennett They have a big one coming up tonight, by the way, against Virginia Tech, a battle of top 25 teams. But I still don't feel confident in Virginia being able to make a run in the tournament, nor Gonzaga, who comes in at number two. The latest poll that came out today, Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, Kentucky, and Tennessee are the top five. Nevada comes in at number six, and I don't know if they have a run in them or what have you. Michigan's at number seven. North Carolina, I I might feel the most confident in out of a lot of these teams in the top ten. Probably second most. They commit at number eight. Houston's a team that nobody's really talking about. At number nine, they're, what, 25-1. and one. They thumped Tulane yesterday. And then Sparty at number 10, who, if healthy, is a team that I would have a lot of comfort in putting them in the Final Four. But they're going to be without Nick Ward with a hairline fracture. They're, they're losing bodies right now, is the thing. Yeah, and this is just... I mean, obviously, you cannot be losing players this time of year. If you're going to lose somebody, you want it to be more at the start of the year. You give you give guys time, other your guys to step into a role and guys to get acclimated. Um, right now, I mean, there's going to be players getting thrown into the fire. I really like the Big Ten's ability um, in the the tournament with 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 the way. They have so much predicated on defense, and they can oftentimes slow down games, and 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 they can really throw off teams that don't play that style of basketball. But there's really no favorite. I mean, I really cannot say, you know, there's a favorite. Obviously, being a Wisconsin fan, I think they have potential to to get to the Elite Eight, the Sweet Sixteen. Um, but they also have potential to get bounced in the first round. It's just so up in the air this year. That's what you love about March when That's it finally right. rolls around here next month. Big one for the Badgers tonight. They're ranked 20th in the latest rankings, and they've got Illinois coming up this evening. Think they avoid the upset? I really, I really, really hope so. Their their next few games, Northwestern, Indiana, and like you said, Illinois tonight, whew, those are some trap games right there. Those are some games. Good that time to play Indiana, though. It is. It is definitely a good time to play Indiana but those are games that, oh, you can't be losing those. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We are out of time. As always, appreciate you, my man. Looking forward to talking again next week. Cheer on the Badgers tonight for me. Oh, I will. And and what a great time of year. There's so much news. There's so much stuff going on. What a great time of year for sports. A great time to be able to talk about it. It's just endless topics. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. That's it for us in the sports pen. Tune in for Patriot Basketball this evening on ESPN-UP. 7 o'clock pregame, 7.15 tip. This is the sports pen, and I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN-UP. WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.